When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Bear episode 99, Connor. The great one episode. The Wayne Gretzky. The Wayne Glensky episode. Uh, I am Evan Marinovsky. That is Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm okay. How you doing? Just okay. Just okay. okay. The vibes are off. Vibes are off. They're not the same. At least you're not a Warriors fan in Boston right now because they are getting they're, they're getting uh, they're getting yeah they're getting punched in the face. Going to Mike's Pastry, getting a roundhouse kick to the face. Ooh, it's rough. Getting sworn at. You know, kids are around. There's swearing taking place. It's kids just, who a, kids who are definitely not leading the chance to. Oh no, like, never, never, never the kids. No, not the kids. Spare the kids. I love this. I love this. As I tweeted on uh, Thursday, it's t- the, the the Canucks. The 2011 Vancouver Canucks. That is what they are. But that is aside from the point, because typically, Connor, during this time of year, if uh, if you took out recent events uh, and you just had the Celtics in the finals and the Bruins just having their offseason, it would kind of be sitting here going like, hmm, what are we going to talk about? You know, we're just kind of playing grab ass for a bit, blah, 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 you know, Celtics. And, you know, we'd maybe get into some offseason preview type stuff. Well, no, actually, there is quite a bit. Uh, and this stuff, I don't think it's going away. I don't. Th- I think we are set on content for quite a bit with this one. Um, we discussed it on Bruins. We'd obviously Bruce Cassidy being fired, uh, but now Bruce Cassidy has spoken, and so is Don Sweeney. Uh, by the way, because uh, we did Bruins beat the night of Sweeney right. spoke the day after, so we have a lot uh, to digest. And I think uh, there's one. A lot of things are unclear. I think there's one thing that's very clear: Bruce Cassidy got screwed. Got screwed i mean so the timeline of events i guess is bruce cassidy got told he was coming back status quo you're coming back you have a year left on your deal i believe it was three million dollars so he's got a year left um three weeks go by don sweeney what is that sweet like text bruce cassidy like hey like you around right now like mm-hmm. <laughs> can i come over i wonder if he brought like pizza or something you think like sweeney brought some like food you know maybe some <laughs> drinks Definitely uh, showed up with like, you know, like uh, the, the muffins from like Market Basket. It was at yes. like 3 p.m. Like he was going to eat them anyway. <laughs> like it was one of those like half measure. Uh, like, I'm not it, doing yeah. anything with uh, this. Yeah, something. Know, set it here. Sweetie comes over, Cassidy House, and fires Bruce. Fires Cassidy. Um, three weeks after saying you can stay and gave him permission to, I guess, fire Kevin Dean uh, and alert him that he would not be returning. So this doesn't look good. This really doesn't look good. What is your reaction to all of this? 
Yeah, I think you look at just the way this offseason has gone, and it's been an uphill climb, I think, for over a week now. You look at the hand they were dealt with, uh, the amount of injuries they're they're dealing with. You still have the uncertainty with Bergeron. You have McAvoy and Marchand out. Going to be tough sledding, right? But those are all things that, all right, you're already in this kind of closing window. Luck isn't on your side. You roll with the punches. What can you do? Except kind of look back at maybe the moves that Sweeney and Neely did in years past and go, all right, well, this is a situation right now. The way this has been handled now with Bruce Cassidy and what the the mixed messaging, the mixed signals, the the stop and go, the fact that, as you said, they gave him the green light to let Kevin Dean go and go with the assumption that you're running it back next year, or at the very least, even if it's a new path for this team, with an established coach and Bruce Cassidy in place to then go right around three weeks later and fire him. It's the first time I think we're, I think Bruins fans look at this and be like, this is a dysfunctional organization in terms of yes. how this is handled. Like this is as much as I think uh, Boston sports fans for years have enjoyed dunking on the, the New York jets and these other teams that are run by, you know, teams clouded by, you know, short-sighted decisions, by faulty decision-making, by, uh, you know, poor rationale for some monumental shifts in their line of thinking or their three, five-year plan. You're seeing it now with a team in Boston, a team that, you know, even a few weeks ago was on the cusp of maybe beating the the Hurricanes and who knows how far they would have gone. And even if you asked me at the end of the year what they were going to do, I would have said, yeah, you know, they have some tough decisions to make. We'll see what Bergeron does. I feel like he'd be coming back again. I think that's changed now. I don't think it's 60-40 that he's back yeah. at this point, but it just shows you how far things have dropped off. And, it, it, you know, some of it is, of course... Uh, you know, waiting for that domino to fall when you've got this team that only has so many more kicks at the can left. But what about when it's, you know, facilitated and it's brought on by management and a front office staff that seems like they can't make the decision on what they want moving forward, which not only should discourage Bruins fans in terms of, all right, the way they handle Bruce Cassidy, a guy who's, you know, made the most of this flawed roster he's had for years. That's already concerning. Yeah, that's already concerning. And now moving forward, all right, the same dysfunctional front office, this management staff is now the ones that are charting the path moving forward. That should really scare you. They're a Bruins fan. Cause right now I don't know if you have any faith in them. And I don't know if you have any set concrete details in terms of what path they are moving forward. It's kind of right now, like we'll see what happens. And in a uh, summer like this, where so much is at stake, you cannot have that. You can't have treading water dipping your toe in the water and seeing how things work out. You need to commit to whatever path you want to have moving forward. And if I'm a fan of this team, I have a really tough time spending, you know, $170 on a pair of tickets next year for a game in December against the Winnipeg Jets. Sorry. It's true. I also think another thing this week that, and by the way, the dysfunctional thing I think is very interesting because as the Jacobs get a lot of heat. They've always gotten a lot of heat. But one thing the Bruins have not been, at least in the past 15, 20 years, is dysfunctional. Even when they traded Joe Thornton, it was like there was a path. They were, they were going to rebuild quickly. This is the first time they've been actually dysfunctional. Because you don't tell a guy one thing and then three weeks later revert on it completely and be a functioning organization that is, that is doing well. Um, but what I think scares people a lot is when Don Sweeney spoke on Tuesday saying that... Um, as you said, there's no direction. Like they don't know what they're doing. And that's a scary thing. Cause again, if he got up there and said, look, we're rebuilding, right. It wouldn't make a lot of sense that he was up there leading the rebuild, but at least, you know, there's a path. 
You know they're going to do something. You know what's coming next. I have no idea what's coming next. None. No one does. And I think it all hinges on Bergeron coming back. But that's still not good enough. Because what do you tell a guy like Bergeron? Oh, you come back. Well, we're going to. We're going to see how things go next year after the injuries. You know, um, Fluto Shinzawa had said he had multiple sources saying that Bergeron might wait to give a decision until like November or December, which in that case, does anyone want to go through that again? Not particularly. No. So again, this isn't good. This is really bad. Right. And, I, and, and we're not fear mongering here. We're not stoking flames. It's true. There's no direction. They fired their, their really good coach. Which, by the way, as I was thinking yesterday about like, huh, who would, who do I think they should have replace him? Who would be better? I keep going back to like, none of these guys are upgrades. Like all no. the, the normal suspects, your DeBoers, um, your Tortorellas, um, all those regular guys that just kind of like, they're like used tissues go, you know, going from place to place to place. I, none of them are upgrades. None of them. We'll get into like who should replace Cassidy later. I think we're kind of just breaking this down now, but um the, the real question is what changed over the three weeks? What happened then? And I think there's a few things that could have happened. I think number one, maybe it's something to do with injuries. Like that could have maybe done it, but I don't think you fire your coach over that. Yeah. Um, I also look at, you know, cause again, a lot of, there was a lot of speculation about players, you know, did players say, Hey, we really don't love playing for Cassidy, but Sweeney came out and I'm going off his word adamantly said it wasn't the players uh, on Tuesday. He said that. So you can cross that off the list. I keep going back to Cam Neely. Cause it seems like there's something with Cam Neely there. Cause he was the one who out, was pretty outspoken about there needs to be some changes with Cassidy uh, at his end of season presser. And you also look at um, the, the, the things he said and, 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 you know, picking at that. And I'm wondering if there was something from him about this. What do you think happened in those three weeks? Yeah, no, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head, Evan, in terms of I feel like it's Neely and it's an overall upper management just wanting a new voice and just not thinking that Cassie's the right fit, which seems extremely flawed. And I think it's something we talked about when we did our instant reaction on Monday, uh, that when it comes to the Bruins front office and management trying to map out plans or talking points or giving you a lot of stuff. One, they don't really give you a lot of stuff anyway, in terms of tangible, concrete stuff. Like, as you said, Don Sweeney wasn't going to walk up on Tuesday morning with the, the letter that the Rangers had being like, we're going to rebuild. Right. Like, like a, a whiteboard, everything. Right. Started. I was like, we're going to do this, like, this, like, and that, this. That, like that was never going to happen. But also then you look at just, I, I think I, I hinted at it before that listening to them kind of talk about things and talking in circles. It's like when you go to the movies and see like a Michael Bay film where like the script is super shitty, but like at least that you can like follow along from point A to point B, you know, you nod in your head, there's explosions. Not when you're like talking to those guys, but you're, you're following along, <laughs> you're, you're getting the, the general gist of what they're saying uh you know they're hammering home the same points you're like okay yeah all right and then like you leave and you get out of the theater and you sit in your car and you go wait a second that didn't make any fucking sense what what are we talking like it's when then, like you, yeah exactly you you walk out and you start applying logic and you're like this doesn't make any sense so again we can go over the the narratives of the talking points that they mentioned about you know the the fact that you know, did he lose the room? Uh, Don Sweeney said that wasn't the case. Uh, Bergeron, I think, in an interview with uh, Le Journal de, was it Quebec, I think, um, yeah. is pretty much shot that down and said, you know, he doesn't interfere and stuff like that. 
Um, you look at, you know, systems in place and changing those things. It doesn't seem like that was at the top of the priority in terms of, again, you don't fire a coach like Cassidy and the, uh, you know, resume that he has off of something that can be tweaked, right? Like, it's not like, all right, you're not doing enough load of high plays so you're fired. Like, you can tweak that. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. And if, and if that was reasoning, then you're a poorly run, crappy organization. You're an idiot. So, yeah, so you, you have that and then other things like, again, injuries where, you know, it's something that Ty Anderson at 98.5 kind of took Sweeney to task about. Sweeney talks all on, on all about injuries and how that impacted them in the Carolina series. Well, how is that then uh, an indictment on the coach if you were injured and you came up just short in game seven against a far superior team that outscored you 16 to one in the regular season? If anything, like there should be like a, a silver, I'm not one to like usually dole out silver linings, but if you're looking for an excuse of what Cassidy got out of that flawed roster last year, focus on the silver linings there for that season. So I think it all comes down to, I think maybe Neely, the guy who, again, Sweeney gave his end of season press and you're like, all right, maybe there's some changes on the horizon. Then Neely comes up and we leave that being like, he's like, Cassidy going to get fired. Like what, those were like Michael Bay explosions. That? Yeah. Those were the Michael Bay explosions. That made no sense. Exactly. The explosions for the sake of doing them. We're like, what was that? Like that's was leaving the, the, the press conference. So it's, it's just a mess in terms of, I don't know if it's nearly looking at just getting a new voice in there, but again, is the new voice just to roll back the same crew, the same roster that is seriously flawed. That's going to be hurt going into the year that of your own doing you've assembled and Cassidy couldn't get enough out of, and he went probably above and beyond what was expected of him. If that's the case, I don't know what exactly Neely's doing because whether it's, need to you know add toughness to the group which good job that's your directive because it worked so well with Bacchus and Felino and Nick Ritchie and Matt Bolesky and all those things great great input if that's what it is all these things that have hampered and further closed this contention window instead of maximizing it if that's the, where the director is coming from if you're a Bruins fan you should be scared we talked about not fear-mongering you should, you should be scared shitless because that <laughs> is an indictment on this. Yeah, that's an indictment on this franchise. If that's what the call is moving forward. I keep wondering, like, if Cam Neely did get fired, right? If he got let go, who would hire him? I don't mean to be like, I'm, I don't mean to be mean, but like, would he, like, would another team pick him up? I don't think so. So again, I, I just, I, I, and another reason why I think it's a little bit of Cam Neely Um if you listen to, and obviously you listen, I'm not saying, I'm not saying you, I'm saying listeners, if you w- go back and watch the Sweeney press conference, it's very weird. And there's an interesting thing where there are a lot of times where he defends Cassidy, which in most cases, when you're trying to like show that you made the right decision, you're not going to like lay the guy out to dry, but you'll kind of hint at some things. There was none of that. He shot down a million different things about, oh, the lost room. No, he didn't lose the room. No, 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 no. Bruce did a terrific job, all this stuff, which makes me think it wasn't his decision. Ultimately, I don't think it was. Again, I'm just going off like tone and things like that. So that's not the most reliable thing. But I do think that is another reason why I do think it was Neely, because I do kind of think Sweeney came out there and probably that's why he went to Cassidy's house. I don't know if that has any correlation to it, but I just, there's a part of me that just thinks it's Neely. And I think a lot of it comes back to just the tone of Sweeney being like, you know, defending Cassidy. I think he liked Cassidy. Uh, Cassidy even said that communication with uh, Don was fine. Um, I believe he said that on, on Thursday. So again, just a weird situation. Like th- again, it just, it doesn't seem like the communication is good. It, it, it seems like it's very yeah. off. Yeah. And I also don't think it's ownership. I don't think it's ownership because 
frankly, I don't think they care, but I also think a lot of it is they made the playoffs every year. That's been their thing. Do you make the playoffs? That was the only reason why there was change in the mid 2010s was because they didn't make the playoffs. Well, they've made the playoffs every year. Cassidy's gotten them to uh, out of the first round. Most of those years, yeah, four of six, four of six. And the first one was like, he saved them. Happy to be there. <laughs> and, yeah. Like, that was just like luck that they, and, and there's a lot to do with him. Um, so safe bet that bad times are ahead for the Bruins, but an even safer bet is our good friends over at bet online. Right. You are Evan. Listen up guys. Our partners at bet online continue to be the number one source for all your sports betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's NBA finals, go Celtics, the NHL conference finals, major league baseball scores, all the latest fighting news, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's promo code CLNS50. BetOnline, where the game starts. That's 50%. 50%. Um, so there's one reason uh, that Bruce Cassidy seems like the one reason he got fired uh, was because he was not relating to younger players well enough, that younger players were not developing under him and doing as well as they could have been under him. And that's kind of weird because if I look through all these guys and I'm not the first one to do it because a lot of people have done it this week, there's been a lot of young players that have come in here. Not many have been very good. To yeah. begin with. Yeah, no, I think you're right, Evan. Yeah, and again, Weird who that falls on. And and also, it's one of those things, too, where you look at the talking points from Neely's presser. You know, the thing that kind of tips you off is when he like, pretty much just gave the shoulder shrug about Cassidy moving forward. But also, he talks about the flaws and, you know, things that need to be corrected. And one of them was not giving these younger guys enough rope. And I think Neely even said, like, when I was a younger player, I needed more time to develop. That's true. Uh, Kim Neely also showed a lot more than a Jackson Nika or a Trent Frederick or anyone like that. Like there's a clear difference. I don't think uh, Jay Leach, for example, is coming in here and Jackson is going to be a 70 point guy. I don't oh, know. Maybe. And you know what? I'll <laughs> gladly, I'll gladly be dunked on. You guys can all dunk on me if that's what happens. I don't think that's the case. And again, he was supposed to win the Calder a few years ago. People exactly. I, that was, I think reported that he was like the favorite to win the Calder. It didn't happen. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, I, you look at that and if that's one of the, the reasons, and it's probably the only concrete like talking point they can point to instead of being like we need a new voice because we're going to run it back with a lesser coach which is not great this one again you don't have a lot of foundation to build off of in terms of the need to incorporate more young talent uh because again i think it's more of an indictment on the prospect pool you have than it is uh cassidy not getting the most out of these guys and it's something that we've talked about before where all right you go into 2022-23 with Cassidy in place, which is what they told him was going to be the, the situation. Yes. And let's say it's Fabian Lysel makes the team out of camp. And as a younger player who's still a teenager who weighs, what, 160 pounds soaking wet? Yeah. Probably going to have some struggles. It happens, right? Like, so if he has a, a bad game or he gets out muscled, isn't getting to the grade A ice or, you know, misses an assignment, gives up, you know, on the ice for a goal against. If Cassidy buries him for five games, all right, you got to get the message across. Like, you can't do that. This is a guy that 
has the talent. You need to see what you have in him and encourage him along because his team isn't a cup contender. This is what you roll with as the police run by because I think they listen to our podcast. I don't know if you can <laughs> I hear, can't hear this, it. This I cannot hear the siren. This no. cop's right outside my <laughs> right outside my place. Anyway, they're going to protect um, the Warriors fans. Exactly. Yes, that is true. Um, but you they're going to arrest at, Ca- they're going to arrest Cassidy for uh, dealing with younger players in a bad sense. Exactly. Maybe he was running. He was running like Guantanamo Bay in the Bruins locker room with like it's the younger apparently players. Apparently, it's, it's it's a bad hit, Evan. So I mean, you look at that and you look at like a Lysel situation. If he's sitting him for five five plus games, that can't happen. But all right, you're looking at it last year with guys like Sidnika and Frederick. Are those guys that were moving the needle that were showing enough stuff? Like even look at Sidnika at the end of the season when they were kind of cruising into the final week of the regular season. They gave him a 2C job, and he had – the only play I remember him doing was a lazy-ass clear that was recovered and led to a goal against from the Bruins. Like, And then he barely played. What are you supposed to do like yeah. in, in that situation? So you look at that. You look at the fact they haven't drafted enough talent, that they've given up tons of talent in terms of trying to max out this contention window, which is a casualty of trying to go for it. Like, again, you're, you're trying to win now, so I get that. But whether it be situations with the guys you have in place here or also just the timing of it, like, all right, you want them to play Sidnika more. You want them to play Frederick more. Then why the hell did you spend like $20 million to get guys like Felino and Nosick and all these other guys? Right. If you're then going to go around and have it be the main argument of letting go of Cassidy was that he wasn't giving these guys enough chance. Like the, last year was the perfect chance to give a guy like Sidnika some run. And you signed all this free money you had on veteran guys. Like, Again, Michael Bay movie. It makes no sense, Evan. You would <laughs> and, take they've, any logic. And, they've, and they've handcuffed themselves for this offseason. Yes. That's the best part. Like, that is another part of it where, like, you've screwed yourself. And, like, I'll, I'll read this. Like, um, NHL Watcher on Twitter transcribes some Elliot Friedman, uh, Jeff Merrick podcast, I believe, uh, where Friedman says, you know who's the guy I think was on the Bruins radar? Vinny Trocek. And then Merrick replies, see, I was going to say Nassim Kadri. And Friedman says, well, there's another one. So they aren't. They are not rebuilding. I don't think they're rebuilding. And, and again, you've got ownership's history, uh, where they're at currently, like they aren't rebuilding. And by the way, we'll get into what I think we'll probably do an episode coming up where we explain what the Bruins should do. My plan is not that. My plan is very different. I think you know my plan. And I hate my plan, by the way. I hate it. But I think it's you will win. You will contend for a cup quicker. But they're not go, they're not going to do that. They're going to try to run it back. They're going to go out and, and somehow do cap gymnastics to sign Vinny Trocek or Nazem Kadri. And Kadri kind of makes some sense, but I just don't know what the direction of the team is. That's that's the frustrating part is like, again, is Kadri coming in and being your number one center? I don't know. Newsflash, guys, you know how good that 2023 NHL draft is going to be with all those centers? I mean, come on. So again, but it, going back to Cassidy with the younger players, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And again, if you are going to try and run it back, uh, do does Rick Tockett put you in a better position to do that? Going off what we know, he does not. Does Peter DeBoer? Does Tortorella? Does any of those guys who are experienced NHL coaches? Now, if you want to get into like Nate Lehman and uh, David Quinn and Greg Carvel or whatever, like that's that could be different. Maybe that's more of a rebuild. I can tell you Lehman and Carvel probably I, I can basically tell you Carvel's not. Lehman probably won't be either. Um, hate to burst the bubble there. Um, but, you know, I mean, again, I, I just, the direction, it goes back to that. There's no direction. Um, and, you know, if you're trying to run it back, why the hell would you pick anybody other than Cassidy? 
I just don't, it doesn't make any sense to yeah. me. If, especially if you're trying to retool on the fly and get guys like Kadri, like Cassie's the guy you have to max out this current window you have here. So again, if, if you go into it and Bergeron is not back and you're just signing guys and plugging in holes and trying to tread water, you're just delaying the inevitable. Like, you know, it's, it's not worth it in that case in terms of what's the best step moving forward. All you're going to do is have Bruins fans go into the season discouraged because they probably know they're not cup contenders. Like uh, you don't know what you're going to get from Marshan. You have guys that are injured that you're relying on them to kind of give you a second half surge to then what gets smoked by the Rangers, a team that actually committed to a rebuild. Like, you know, those are situations where, all right. And then what you delay the inevitable, you get like the 19th overall pick in 2023. You then take another step back in 2024. And then you finally tank in 2025 off your own doing when you should have when you should have done it earlier and what's 2025 like the year that they actually tank and it's not even tank it's the, the fact that they're so poorly constructed they finally bought them out will be a year where they finally get the first overall pick and it's like nico Heischer. like that's a thing like that's what they'll <laughs> do like, yeah exactly like that's like the the risk you run like it's mapped out right like and again who knows what happens over the span of a, a season prospects, you know, rise and fall. You have like that guy this year, Brad Lambert from, I think he's Swedish. You know, his name is Brad Lambert or he's like Finnish or something like that, but Adam Lambert. Yeah, exactly. Like he literally was supposed to be like a top five pick and now he's like 19, 20. So things can change, but you look at 2023, whether it's Badad, whether Adam Fantilli, Matt Mishkov, all these guys, they all look legit. You yeah. like, obviously Badad is Badad, but you've got, any top five pick, you have an impact player you can add to a core. Even top commit to 10 it now is pretty good. Even yeah, top 10's pretty commit good. to it now and and try to get something. And that even if that means moving a guy like Hall this offseason and trying to get a top, you know, fifteen pick this year and stock that by adding some piece to the puzzle. Like again, it's right now you're just delaying the inevitable. I think if you're trying to retool on the fly with this core in place and try to tweak here and there with a lesser coaching place. Like even Barry Trotz, who's like, is the guy they map out as like of this available crew other than Bruce Cassidy is the most qualified and will have the most guys going after him. If you had an issue, especially if your ownership with Bruce Cassidy and the fact that you weren't getting enough five on five offense, he to tell you what you're going to get with Barry Trotz. Cause it ain't, <laughs> it ain't fun. It works, but it ain't fun. It's so, very boring hockey. Yes. So it, it's again, it's at this point, just rip off the bandaid. Like, what are we, what are we doing? And again, Don Sweeney's not the guy to just come out and declare they're rebuilding. But I, if they're, if we get to the middle of July and free agency opens and they're hot, you know, hot after a guy like Kadri, it's just a waste of everyone's time. And if you're a Bruins fan, I don't know how you get any excited about going into a year where you know it's just going to be treading water and trying to spark a run when it should be building for the future. I think if Bruins fans went into this year expecting it to be pretty rough, but there's a light at the end of the tunnel in terms of a draft pick and you've trade other guys for more assets, there's a, a means to an end there. If you're just running it back with this veteran core in place, you're wasting everyone's time. Wasting is wasting everyone's time is an understatement, I think. Because again, I mean if they go out and they sign Kadri to a long-term deal or Trocheck. It's just like, what are you doing? It was the same idea with Derek Forbert when they signed him to a like quote unquote long-term deal for him. And we're like, oh, he's going to evolve into a into a top pairing left shot defenseman for McAvoy. And it's like, you can't expect that. It's the same with Trocheck. You know, he's going to be our future number one center. It's like, no, he isn't actually at all. So again, a lot of bad things have been happening over the past. Maybe there's like a spell on the Bruins or something, you know, like there's something, something happened uh, where there is just bad luck hitting them. But um, 
out of all of this stuff that's happened over the past week, what then came to the forefront again was, you know, who's going to be a free agent next off season, David Pasternak and the future yeah. of David Pasternak. So lots of different things. Fluto had uh, a source close to Pasternak say something like, uh, he won't come back if Sweeney's the GM because he's mad about how he's handled the he handled the Krejci and the Krug contract stuff. Then you had the agent come out and say everything's fine. We're gonna meet in July and sing Kumbaya or something. I don't know. Anyways, uh, now it's come to the forefront of should they trade David Pasternak or not? And you wrote a column saying that shouldn't be entertained at this point. Um, but I think there's a lot of scenarios with Pasternak. I don't think again, it depends the the route they're taking. And if they are going to go for it, if they're just going to keep running it back. I think that's what they're going to tell Pasha. They're going to say, we're going to be competitive over your term. And he's shown no signs of wanting to leave. I don't think David Pasha is like dying to get out of here. Um, but why shouldn't people fret about David Pasha yet? Well, I think it all is going to hinge on just the striking that conversation with him. And as you said, I don't think there's been any indication yet that he's disgruntled or, looking to get out of here or, you know, there's the risk of a guy like him being very intrigued by what the payout's going to be if he hits the open market in 2023. But Pasos is the same guy who signed that, uh, that first contract extension that was way below his value and said the first thing he bought was, I think was Sarku Japan at the mall. <laughs> you know, there's a guy who said he doesn't play, you know, uh, hockey for the money, which again, he is going to get paid and he's going to get yes. paid accordingly. He's no longer going to be a bargain contract, but he's going to get as many Sarkus as he wants. And he could, he could own 10 Sarku Japan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With one paycheck. Like, like I, I think it's one of those things though, where it, I don't think it's out of their own possibility that if he wants to stay here and be part of this core, I think he enjoys this market, enjoys this city. And I think he's also a guy that has really relished the opportunity to kind of build his standing up as more of a leader. You know, he's, he's won the A a lot more this year. He enjoys, you know, that part of it as well, being kind of more of a authority in the room. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if he's committed to staying here, if he signs eight years at 9 million, like eight and a half, maybe like if that's, that'd be below his, what his payout would be, but it would not surprise me if that's what it is. It's all just going to come down to, I think for him, just getting that conversation started and mapping out what the best step is moving forward and pitching him on what the future is. And again, I think what the Bruins need to do though, is it can't be, Hey, we're just going to try to be competitive and we'll be a fringe playoff team every year. It has to be, listen, we might have to, you know, dismantle some of this core for the next year or two. But if in a couple of years, if it's you, McAvoy, Swayman, Lindholm, uh, a Badad or someone like that with also a bunch of now open up cap space and a team that's still committed to winning and kind of absolving this shit show of an off season, I think you can, you can pitch that to him. I don't think he's a guy that needs to, you have to map out like a, a four hour PowerPoint presentation in terms of what's the best route for him. I think he wants to stay here. It's all about just making sure that he's not going to be wasting his time here and spending his age 27 to 33, 34 prime on a team that is just rudderless. So I think that's the biggest uh, thing for him. And it's totally reasonable. I don't think there's any smoke or any warning signs that he's disgruntled or wants out. So it's all going to come down to how this conversation goes, but a mid and off season that has a lot that's gone wrong. I don't think it's something where they're bracing him to just, you know, walk into the meeting, throw the double birds up, and then you have to deal with that. And again, if it gets to it, it's all going to, I think, come down to just Pasternak explicitly stating that he just want to be part of a rebuild, which again, 
sure you can trade him and get probably a good jumping off point, whether it's, I don't know, New Jersey's second overall pick a guy like Mercer, someone like that, like it helps, but the Bruins don't want to do that. They want to keep him as part of his next score. But if it comes to that, what do you know? It's of your own doing of making a rudderless team with a guy in pasta who loves his market, who can just see the writing on the wall that it's just not worth sticking through a team that has no future moving forward. Oh, it's their fault. It's their doing. It's not like it's Pasternak's fault. It isn't yeah. his. Um, but again, I think if you're right in the sense that I think how they sh- if even if they are going to rebuild for a year or two, they should pitch him on like, we expect you to be a leader. Like you have a chance here to like be the next generation. You get to be the next like Bergeron in the sense of a leader, a young leader in the room type thing. But if he doesn't, if he comes into the meeting and says, guys, I don't want to be part of a rebuild. I want to be a contender. I want to be on a really good team with a better ownership and better front office. Got to trade him. Got him. Can't let him walk for nothing because a lot of guys have walked out of here for nothing a lot over the past bunch of years. And it's all been different situations. It's not like it's all cut and dry. Like Chara's was very different than Tuka Rask's and Tuka Rask's was different from Krejci. Like, again, the the issue is the succession plan. It was never like, oh, they walked for nothing. It was more like you had nothing in place. Uh, Goaltending a little bit more, obviously, than you did with Chara. And crazy because again, if Pashnak walks for nothing, you've known about this for a while. So again, I, I, I think, you know, if he, if he explicitly says, I don't want to be part of a rebuild and the Bruins are set on doing a rebuild, which by the way, I don't think will happen, Yeah. but if it does, I mean, he gets you a first, maybe two firsts, maybe a first top prospect current, you know, young NHL player kind of spearheads the new rebuild, which I, again, I don't love. I don't, I don't think that's good. And I don't think that's what's going to end up happening. But again, if he comes in, I don't want this, but Evans says they have to trade Pasternak. I'm saying if he walks in and says, I don't want to be part of a rebuild and the Bruins say they are doing a rebuild. That's all I'm saying. Not saying that they, they, they should be traded. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, if that is the case, then you have to, you can't just be like, Oh, cool. We're going to play out the season with you. We'll revisit you in a few months. Uh, and then let him walk for nothing. He can't do that. So again, a lot of big things. These are huge decisions. And uh, I don't think anyone is confident in the front office to make them. I will pose this as well, right? If Cam Neely's calling the shots up there and I know him and Sweeney are friends. So it's, it's, I don't think this is going to happen. Do you think there's any chance that Sweeney, they walk back on Sweeney's extension too, with all the blowback they've gotten. They are very, they are conscious to this stuff. Do you think there's any chance that, they say, you know what, Don, we're actually not going to do the extension. You're uh, well, Evan, they have not announced his contract yet. So until we that's what have I mean. that that's what I mean. coming out, I like... was afraid. I was afraid. I haven't looked at my phone in 10 minutes. I was afraid you're about <laughs> you're to like not... bring that up. <laughs> like, you've got but, it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's definitely a, a legitimate thing that they can consider. Because again, you look at, I think for Bruins fans, it's, it's one thing, the first wave of like, why are you firing Cassidy? You're like, why is he the scapegoat? All these things. And now I think the second way that's, I think people are realizing now, especially when you get like what Cassidy talked about of just, you know, kind of getting the rug pulled out from under him. If you're a fan, you have to be horrified in, of what the future holds. Cause it doesn't seem like there's any plan in place. So if you're uh, like in the office, again, all pointing the finger guns at each other. Exactly. <laughs> and if you're a season ticket holder, how much incentive do you have of committing to this team when, they're kind of like, well, we'll see what happens. Well, all right. Well, I shelled out a couple, a couple G's to commit to this team. Why am I doing this as well? Like, that's where I think uh, you just look at the fact that it doesn't seem like there's a plan in place going forward. That's where I think management and ownership has to be like, all right, what are we actually doing? Because right now, if we're just treading water, we're going nowhere. Oh, 100%. Again, if I'm a season ticket holder, I am 
very much. And by the way, I think if they were rebuilding, no one would care. Like not no one would care, but no one would be like, oh, I'm canceling my tickets. Like it's like, oh, you know, it's going to be a bad couple of years, but it'll be worth it. This is an investment <laughs> in a sense. But um, again, there's what are you investing in right now? What is the reason to go spend money and watch this team other than I mean, you need to drink to watch this team next year um, or to at least survive this offseason. Um, anyways, Connor, what can the people look forward to from you over at BSJ? Yep, Evan will have uh, continued coverage throughout this so far dreadful offseason in terms of what next steps are, potential coaching candidates, where Bruce Cassidy might end up, all that stuff. Uh, plenty of stuff on the horizon in terms of free agency trades. Um, all that stuff will be over at BSJ, so please subscribe at bostonsportschannel.com. want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. I'm Evan Marinovsky. That's Connor Ryan. You poke the bear listeners. Have a great rest of your day. <laughs>